strength that God has given to you, and we uh, send our condolences to you. It's good to see you here this morning, both members and visitors alike. We praise God for your presence this morning, and we are thankful for the opportunity that we have to worship our great God in spirit and in truth. Let's go to God in a word of prayer. Magnificent and most holy and awesome God in heaven, hallowed be your great and amazing name. How wonderful your name is. Thank you for allowing us to be your children, for allowing us this opportunity to worship you this day, for giving us yet another opportunity to make our lives right with you if we need to repent or come to you and surrender to you in the waters of baptism, whatever it may be, Lord God, thank you for yet another day that you granted to us. We ask, Lord God, this time that you will accept our worship, help us to be mindful of Jesus forever, and to never forget the amazing sacrifice that has been made in our behalf. These things we thank you for and pray in that wonderful, magnificent, most awesome, holy, and precious name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. In that will we pray these things. Amen. Hebrews chapter 11, please. This morning's topic is rise up, men of God. And we need men to rise up. I wonder, when I look back at Genesis chapter 3 and you read through the scriptures, I wonder what the world would be like if God hadn't commanded the man to be the leader. I wonder in the worship service of today if God hadn't commanded the man to be the leader, how many of us would sit back and make the women do it all? I wonder how many of us are lazy, spiritually speaking, and not rising up to the challenge that God has given to us. So men in the Bible, you'll find... uh, Generically speaking, we're not great superstars. They were not heroic men, yet we have in Hebrews 11, heroes of faith. They were just normal, ordinary men like you and I. The difference is, when God called them to service, they rose up. I wonder this morning if I have accepted the challenge of God. Verse 1 of Hebrews 11, the Bible says... Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it, men of old gained approval. These men had or carry with them the same faith that we carry with us today. They trusted in God. God called them and they rose to the occasion. Oftentimes I'll hear men, we say things like, oh no, I can never do that. I've said that myself. When I was asked to teach a, a Bible class to, to serve the Lord in some capacity. I remember saying, oh no, I cannot do that. No one said, brother, where's your faith? But they did say, how do you know if you never try? The rest is history. They were ordinary men that God called into service. But God had something special to say about men who rose to the occasion, men who rose in faith and trusting faith with our God. In verse 37 of Hebrews chapter 11, God has something to say. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. They were tempted. They were put to death with a sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, 
afflicted, ill-treated, men of whom the world was not worthy, wandering in deserts and mountains and caves and holes in the ground. Do you hear what God said? Men of faith of whom the world was not worthy. Men, when you rise up in simple trusting faith to honor God, the world is not worthy. Are you willing to rise to the occasion? Verse 17. Verse 17. Our children need to see our faith, men. Our young men, our young boys will be the leaders of the church tomorrow. They need to see our faith. Abraham was called out of idolatry, away from his family, away from his father's house in Genesis chapter 12. And Abraham was given a promise from God. And yet, he didn't have all the pieces of the puzzle together. In other words, he didn't know how God would fulfill his promise. But he understood what the Lord said. In verse 17, I want to grab this text. By faith Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. And he who had received the promises was offering up his only begotten son. Now see what's significant is, Isaac is maybe about 13 or 14. He has no heirs. Isaac is the heir that Abraham spoke to God about. Eliezer will not be your heir, but one that comes from your own loins, from your own body. And so Isaac is that child. And then God says to offer him to me. What did Abraham know? Well, he didn't have all the pieces of the puzzle together. But in verse 18, it was he to whom it was said, In Isaac your descendants shall be called. He considered that God is able to raise men even from the dead from which he also received him back as a type. He didn't know how. Turn to 1 Timothy chapter 6. God was going to raise him up. But in order to fulfill the promise, God would have to raise him up. He just answered the call of God. This morning, men, God is knocking on your door. God is calling you. Are you listening? 1 Timothy 6 and verse 11 But flee from these things, you man of God. And pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, perseverance, and gentleness. And you say, well, what is God talking about? Growing up, it was, you know, the idea that as a man, you grow up, you take care of your family, you, uh, uh, you, you, you raise them. Uh, up and you 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 have money you you have fame you have fortune you have whatever you you progress in life and what becomes the driving force for man is money things in in, in the bible in, in verse 10 the love of money is the root of all evil not money but the love of money is the root of all evil and the, and the bible says in verse 10 and and some by longing for it have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many a pain. You see, the problem is, is that man has pursued after success, but not spiritual success. We have set spiritual success aside so that we can ensure that we have physical success, economic success. And the church suffers for it. Because men of God will not rise up. 
And yet I know for a fact, and working in the secular world, when the boss comes and says, the boss man says, I want you to do something different for the company. I want you to take it into another direction. I want you to try this or try that. We never tell him no or her no. Instead, we say, I'm up for the challenge. Men, we have to rise up in Christ. So God says, instead of pursuing those things, in verse 11, he says, flee from these things, you man of God, and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, perseverance, and gentleness. Fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called and you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. Let us not forget, turn to 2 Corinthians, please, chapter 10, that Satan is trying to destroy not just we ourselves individually, but our families, our wives, our children, our young boys, our young girls, our adult men. Satan's trying to destroy us. And our young men and our young daughters, and they're looking up to us, our young ladies. And they're saying, Dad, are you going to fight for our souls? And I ask you the same question. Dads, granddad, great-granddad, are you going to fight for their souls? Are we going to do our part to ensure that the Lord's church is faithful and strong, true, and here in the future? Men, we've got to rise up. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, beginning at verse 3, the Bible says, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses. We are destroying speculation and every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God. And we are taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. In other words, what God is saying is that, brethren, we've got a war and a battle that we're fighting. And it's not a physical battle. It's a spiritual one. But sometimes, somehow in our lives, in our minds, we set aside the spiritual battle. But we'll step up to the physical battle. It's like Naaman in Second Kings chapter 5. Remember, God said to go dip in the river Jordan seven times through, through his prophet Elisha. And he thought, that's ridiculous. And his men said, you know, if you were asked to go fight a war, you'd be right there. Why is it so much easier to fight the physical battle but not show up for the spiritual one? We've got to rise up. Ephesians chapter 6, please. So that our, our wives and, and our God, most importantly, will look at us and say, well done, good and faithful sir. We are in need of elders and deacons and evangelists and workers in the vineyard. And Jesus said, pray that there be workers in the vineyard. Workers. We have to stand up. Standing up against all those things. We're going against society. We're going against the grain when we're serving God. We have to stand up. And he tells the men that. He tells the church that. In, in verse 13 of Ephesians chapter 6, he tells them that you, you have to stand. Therefore, take up the full armor of God that you may be able to resist 
in the evil day, having done everything to stand firm. The question this morning, have you done everything to stand firm? Have I done everything? Have I given God all that I have? Am I willing to stand and give God all that I have? So the church of tomorrow, the church of today, is strong in the Lord. He goes on to say, stand, verse 14. Stand firm, therefore, having girded your loins with truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, in addition to all taking up the shield of faith with which you'll be able to extinguish all the flaming missiles of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, with all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the Spirit. And with this in view, be on the alert with all perseverance and petition for all the saints to stand. Second Timothy chapter 4. To stand up for something. To stand up for Jesus. To stand up in purpose. To stand up and be counted. Are you willing to do that? Our wives are asking us. Our children are looking to us. Our God is begging us. Verse 7. The Apostle Paul who worked for the Lord. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the course. I have kept the faith. Someone said, I don't even feel like I'm in a fight. Maybe you're not. And that's the problem. To stand up. To fight the good fight of faith. To act like men. To be men. To be the leaders that God has called us to become. Why has Satan called so many of us to become cowards? To not stand. Verse 8, Paul goes on to say, In the future there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. God has caused his men to fight. To fight for our souls. That's why we're fighting. We're fighting for our souls. And we're the defenders of the faith. And we're fighting for the souls of our spouses. We're fighting for the souls of our children and for our grandchildren. Nehemiah chapter 4 is a really amazing passage. I absolutely love the book. Well, all these Bibles. The Bible is amazing. You go back to Nehemiah chapter 4. And, you know, the the text tells us in the the book of uh, 2 Timothy chapter 1 that God did not give us a spirit of of cowardice. In other words, he gave us a, a spirit of, of, of power, a spirit of, of, of love, and a spirit of self-control. In Nehemiah, uh, it's interesting that they, they came together to do the work of God, and they, they became lax. In Ezra, you read about the, the lax mindset of humanity, and, and you get over to Nehemiah chapter 4, and, and the work is, is ridiculed, and the work is continued, and, and in Nehemiah, it's the one book where you read where the men of God were and the women. Every woman's working, 
And they're working with one sword in one hand, a weapon in one hand, and a spatula or a sparkling tool or whatever tool in the other hand, trying to build the wall of God. But they kept on working, though Sanballat and Tobiah, all the enemies of the Jews were there, and they were present, yet they kept on working for God. And I love what Nehemiah 4 and verse 14 says. Is it puts everything kind of, if you will, into perspective. It says, when I saw their fear, I rose and spoke to the nobles. This is the Jewish men, their fear. I rose and spoke to the nobles, the officials, and the rest of the people. Do not be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome. And fight for your brothers your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your houses. Fight. Are you, uh, are you fighting the good fight of faith? Ephesians chapter 6, please. Are you fighting the good fight of faith? Men, God needs Isn't it an honor to even be able to say that? That God of the the universe needs me? I've been foolish enough to think, no, God doesn't need me. He already has enough workers. And yet Jesus says, no, we need more workers. I need more out of you. God says, I need you. And the battle that we're fighting is a battle against, it's against Satan, isn't it? It's against the forces of of evil. In verse 10 of Ephesians chapter 6. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the full armor of God. I think, you know, sometimes I, you know, we we like to take shortcuts. This is a world of convenience, right? Oh, you don't need the full armor, just... We need the full armor of God. That doesn't change, even in the world of convenience. You've got to put on the full armor of God if you're going to fight against Satan. Put on the full armor of God that you may be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood. But against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces, this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. You know, there is a heavenly battle that's being fought. And it's being fought over us. Good versus evil. And this morning, I am challenging you as God challenges us. You've got to make a decision. Which side of the fence are you on? And if we're on the side of the fence of God, we realize, you recognize, how many of you could say, honestly and truly, you look around the auditorium and you see the brethren, how many of you could say, honestly, hey, we're all right, everything's fine, the church looks the same. No, it's not the same. It's changed. How many of you can look around and think about our young, our young men and women who've grown up, gone to camp, come to Bible study, and then turn 19, 20, and we never see him again. You see, Satan is at war. I might not be at war, but I tell you what, I'd better get in the, I better get in the battle because Satan is at war. And he's trying to kill us all. Every one of us. He's trying to destroy our souls. 
we learn something uh, in Matthew, please, chapter 12, that we have to fight the right fight is what, is what Ephesians is telling us. We're not fighting against flesh and blood. We're fighting a spiritual battle. We have to watch out in this battle. This is why it's so important to learn your scriptures, understand the word of God, because we've got to watch out for crossfire. We have to watch out for friendly fire. Sometimes friendly fire gets us. You know, Satan makes us corrupt ourselves from within. Like Rome, Rome fell from within. It destroyed itself. It had its client kingship. You read Revelation, you read about the client kingship. They destroyed themselves from within as iron does not mix with clay. And sometimes what Satan does, he works the same way. Make us fight each other and then we'll kill ourselves. Brethren, we have to watch out for friendly fire. Matthew chapter 12 and verse 25, And knowing their thoughts, he said to them, Any kingdom divided against itself is laid waste, and any city or house divided against itself shall not stand. It's an impossibility. And so we have to do this in a united way, in a united effort in our service to God. But brethren, it comes down to we have to be willing to serve. Romans chapter 16. And while we're serving, we have to watch out for friendly fire. In other words, we have to be friendly toward each other. We have to show love toward each other. We have to build each other up. We have to watch out for Satan who's on the prowl. And we've got to remember that my brother is not my enemy. My sister is not my enemy. Satan is. Satan is my enemy. Romans chapter 16 and the verse is 17. Look at what happened. Now I urge you, brethren, keep your eye on those who cause dissensions and hindrances contrary to the teaching which you learn and turn away from them. For such men are slaves, not of our Lord Jesus Christ, but of their own appetites. And by their smooth and flattering speech, they deceive the hearts of the unsuspecting. We've got to watch out for those who are causing the division within the church. Don't be that person. Galatians chapter 1, please. Don't be that person. Instead, be the man of God that's willing to raise the church up, being willing to serve God in humility and simple faith. Men, we have to rise up. We have to rise up to the battle. Be willing to be servants of our God. Verse 8 says, of Galatians chapter 1, but even though we, or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to that which we have preached to you. Let him be accursed. As we have said before, so I say again now. If any man is preaching to you a gospel contrary to that which you receive, let him be accursed. When we fight each other, this is, this is really important. I want to turn to Colossians, please, chapter, chapter 2. When we fight each other, brethren... We make Satan stronger. Right? It's like we just we give it to him. Here, Satan, take me. When we fight each other. We're not united. When we're divided, we're just making Satan stronger. You know, it's almost like we are saying, hey, have you considered my son, my daughter, my child? Or well, how about their children? We make him stronger. Colossians 2 and verse 13. And when you were dead in your transgressions, the uncircumcision of your flesh. He made you alive together with him, having forgiven us all our transgressions. 
having canceled out the certificate of debt consisting of the decrees against us as which was hostile to us. And he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. When he had disarmed the rulers and authorities, he made a public display of them, having triumphed over them through him. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. So, so, so we're fighting Satan. And Satan has come to the battle, but Jesus disarmed him. Why are we afraid? Think about that. I mean, he has deceived us so much so to where we're afraid of an enemy who has no weapons. And we have all the weapons. That's how good and powerful Satan is. When I say good, I mean good at deceit. He has deceived us into believing that I cannot do it. Although the Bible told us I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. He has deceived us into believing that we cannot win and yet Jesus says the victory is already won. He has deceived us into believing maybe God's not hearing my prayers and Jesus already told us it's already done. He has no weapons and yet he's been deceitful enough, conniving enough to fool us, to trap us, and to trick us and cause us to believe. A lie. John, please, chapter 1. Men, we have to rise up, no longer be afraid, step up to the plate, do that which the Lord has asked of us. Remember that we're standing in the midst of darkness, and the darkness will never understand. The Bible tells us as Jesus has come on the scene in verse 4, In him was life and the life was the light of men, and the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it, and how true that is. They didn't even understand the Lord. Second Corinthians chapter 4, and the verse is 4, speaking of this particular darkness, that Satan had no clue, in whose case the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelieving, that they might not see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is in the image of God. Satan couldn't see it. And he's causing many people not to be able to see it because we're not willing to stand up and allow or to call a spade a spade or allow God's work to shine through. God transferred us or translated us, uh, Colossians chapter 1, out of darkness into this marvelous light. He has brought us from a dark world. We understand darkness. Here's my question to you, man. Did you like it? I did. I loved it because I was blind. When my eyes opened up, I learned to hate it. And when you learn to hate it, you know you've got to fight against it. And you see the people that are in it and you want to pull them out of it. Do you still love it? Colossians 1 and verse 13 for he delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son. Let's begin to wrap this up. Rise up, men. Let's go to Timothy. First Timothy chapter 2. Rise up in prayer. What's your prayer life like? What's your prayer life like? Do you love it yet? Do you love your prayer life? What I mean by that is not that you're satisfied, but do you love the opportunity to pray to God? Is prayer an opportunity? 
Now, now here's the challenge this morning. When someone says, hey, will you pray for me? Do you pray for them? Or if the church says we need someone to lead us in prayer, why is it that when someone stands up and says in a, in the midst of men and they say, men, I need someone to lead a prayer, will someone do it? Why don't we sit there hesitant? Because Satan has deceived us. Maybe we don't love our prayer life like we ought to. Verse 1 says, first of all, then, I urge that entreaties and prayers, petitions and thanksgiving be made on behalf of all men for kings and all who are in authority in order that we may lead a tranquil and quiet life in all godliness and dignity. Verse 8. Verse 8 says, Therefore I want the men in every place to pray, lifting up holy hands without wrath and dissensions. God expects his children to pray. Second Corinthians, please, chapter 10 and verse 5. There the Bible says, We are destroying speculation and every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God. And we are taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Every thought. In other words, I am focused. We have to be focused on every thought because we're at battle, or we're at war rather. We are in a battle. First Corinthians, please, chapter 16. We are in a war. You have to think about, calculate what you do. Verse 13. The problem at Corinth, maybe is the problem in the Lord's church today. Listen to what it says. Be on the alert, stand firm in the faith, act like men. Be strong, that all that you be, that all that you do be done in love. Someone said that, you know, men or boys aren't supposed to cry. We're going to Micah chapter 7 and we'll close this out. That, that's not the, the mark of a man because he's not willing to cry. Everything you do must be done in love. Brethren, we have to also be engaged and in touch with the simple, that other side of our life, the empathetic side, the sympathetic side. Still got to be men. This morning, are you ready? Are you willing? Are you able to rise up for the Lord in service in His kingdom? We close in verse 7 and 8 of Micah chapter 7. But as for me, I will watch expectantly for the Lord I will wait for the God of my salvation. My God will hear me. Do not rejoice over me, O my enemy. Though I fall, I will rise. Though I dwell in darkness, the Lord is a light for me. Maybe this morning, maybe this morning, you feel like you've fallen away a little. Today's the day to rise, man. Maybe this morning you you like to ask the prayers of the church. Today's the day to rise. Maybe this morning there are some who are in our audience, male and female, those who would like to surrender to Christ in the water of baptism. Today is the day to rise. This morning we encourage you to give your life to Jesus. If you're not a child of God and you've heard his word and you've believed it and you're willing to have repentance, godly sorrow in your heart, 
and you're willing to confess the name of the Lord Jesus, be baptized and immersed in water for the remission of your sins this morning, if we can help you in any way, please make it known while together we stand and rise and sing our song of invitation.